Well, as Jake already shared, we're absolutely stoked that you're here. We're glad you're here. Uh, we hope that you've had a, a pretty good Sunday morning. That one's yours, Jake. I don't want you to lose that. And uh, God's been already moving, I think, in our midst. Amen? Yeah, he's been doing cool things. So we're going to continue a series that we began. And we're actually starting week 10. People, people have told me, so you can't do more than a four-week series. I'm like, no, no, I like long ones. So we're going to do so this one. We're going to week 10 of the series, and we've been working through the book of Ephesians. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open up that Bible. And you're going to be moving to the fifth chapter. So while you're figuring that out, and you're okay, trying to figure it out, uh, you'll get there. And we're going to actually be starting in verse 22. Now, last week we've been, we've been covering this series, and actually we talked about this idea of mutual submission. That in the life of a believer, if we really believe that Christ comes and he literally indwells the person who becomes a believer, that means that Jesus is in each and every person that's put their hope and their trust completely in him. And with that passage, we came with the understanding that when I look at you and I hear Christ's voice in you, it requires me to have this idea that Paul presents as mutual submission. That when we hear what God is doing in the life of other people, how can we not submit to his heart? How can we not to submit to what he is doing? Don't you guys love operating system updates? I hate them. Okay, I fixed that one. Good. So Windows is the worst. Can I just say that? Okay, I was just a little dig on Dan because Dan loves windows. But we're going to keep going with this series. So if you've, got, if you've got that passage open, go ahead and pull up in there, and we're going to start with this. And let me present some ideas as we come into this passage. This is one of those passages that I guarantee you will probably rub some of you in this room the wrong way. So that's my preface. It's probably going to rub you. But if you came to church only to always hear what you want to hear, that would never help us to what? change or progress. That's right. And so this is one of those ones, and it's a difficult passage. If any pastor who's preached this or person who's shared this passage, they'll tell you, this one's difficult because against our culture today, this particular passage rubs against our ideas of roles, especially roles in the family. So to paint this for you in the right light, I want to remind you, when we started this series, we talked about in this book, the apostle Paul talks more about love than any other of his letters to the church. And the other thing I want to present to you is, as you look at this, is he begins really big as he talks to people, then he moves on to issues inside the church, and then now Paul is narrowing down to the family. Now, why would Paul do that? Because he knows something that's intuitive that you know, that what happens in the family affects the church. What happens in the church affects the culture and vice versa. What happens in the church at times or the community affects the church and the church, the family. That there's this idea of how these things are interconnected. And so with that, he is trying the best he can to present to us God's idea of roles and the family. And so we're going to try the best we can this morning to pull out context and eternal truth. So this, again, sociologists understand this. When sociologists and psychologists study this, one of the things they always come back to is, what is the family? How is it put together? And when you look at that, they understand that it affects parenting without a doubt. It affects parenting. Now, here's the problem. When you and I consider what we're about to look at, all of us come from a family. And let's just be honest for a second. Some of the things in our family are healthy, right? And some of the things that we learn in family are unhealthy. If we're honest with ourselves, there are things that I learned. And here's, I'll never forget the first time I discovered this. I was driving. How many of you have done like the uh, long distance car ride trip with the family? Anybody? Yeah. How many of you enjoyed that? Sick people. Okay. Um, I'll never forget the first time we were on our way to Asheville, North Carolina, which is like 10 hours-ish from here. Yeah, I've been there. Okay. So we're, we're on our way there and we're on our way back. And on the way back, the kids are in the back. Now my kids are much younger at this point. 
And they're just being kids. When you put kids in a car, and this is before we had like mobile technology, so I couldn't like just say, here's an iPad, shut up. You know, I couldn't do that. So we're just going, and they're just trying to be kids. And we played every game you can think of in the car, right? The sign game, the alphabet game, every game you could think of. And now they're at their max. I'll never forget this. And I'm getting frustrated as I drive. And I'm trying to drive and not get frustrated. And I finally hit that boiling point. Anybody with me? And I turned around and I said, if you don't stop, I'm going to pull this car over and give you something. And all of a sudden, flashing back from the back of my memory is, oh my gosh, my father said that. And I realized, and I was terrified. I'm like, am I becoming my dad? You know, did, did somehow some of this stuff leak in? And I'm like, I just said that. I cannot believe I said that. And so I just pulled back on, turned the radio up, and kept going. Because I'm like, I don't want to repeat that error. Because I remember some bad moments with dad where he had to pull the car over and really let us have it. Now, let me, as I paint this picture for you, let me tell you some of the things that are typical in the family. Things about affection we learn in our family. Trust. Faith what we believe about marriage. This all comes from the family. So let me give you an example. Affection. Some of you are huggers, right? I'm a hugger, okay? That was in my family. Some of you, a hug is insulting. Am I right? Okay. Yeah, I come at you and I go like this and the first thing you're like, yo, dude, right? Like this, right? You're a handshaker. That's okay. That's just, that's not a bad or good thing. That's something that came out of your family, your upbringing. Trust. Some of us have a very difficult time trusting new people. Why is that? More than likely, that comes from some dynamic of our faith or our family or our upbringing. Someone's given us a reason to be mistrustful. So these things happen inside of families. And what we don't do anymore as a culture, we really don't do this. We don't stop to say, is there a standard for those roles? Does God have a plan? We're scared to even say that because we're, we're concerned. We might insult someone and the way that they were brought up. And here's the reality. All of us have some messed up stuff in our family and some good stuff. You've learned both. How many of you have seen the movie Four Christmases? <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm the center in the room. I saw it. Okay. And one of the things I love about this movie, some of you are afraid to raise your hand. I'm like, no, nah, I saw it, but I'm not going to admit that I saw it. One of the things that's funny about this movie, and this is so typical of our culture, if you've never seen it, is it's this guy and a gal. They're not married yet, but they're hanging out together in the same house, if you know what I mean. And they both come from divorced homes, okay? And what they will do every year in this movie is lie to their family because they can't stand to be with their family at Christmas because their family's jacked up. So what they do is they go instead on a vacation and they tell their family things like, we're going to, you know, like vaccinate kids and, you know, somewhere else and we're going to do something good. So they don't have to spend time with their families. Well, they got caught stuck in the airport and on the news. And in this movie, now they have to go visit all four families. What's interesting is the movie's absolutely hilarious. But when you step back from the funniness of it and you just kind of look at it, you go, oh my goodness, this is an accurate depiction and picture many times of the families and what we're going through today in our culture because we really don't like to talk about this topic. So here's three realities. I'm gonna give you the passage. We learn good and bad things from our family. Keep that locked in. We decide how we're going to evaluate those good and bad things, okay? And then number three, I wanted to give this one to you. This is concrete. The family is not my idea. It's not your idea. It's not the culture's idea. It's God's idea. So we're going to come back to God's standard, okay? So those are the three things that are going to help us to evaluate this. So let's look at this passage starting in verse 22, chapter 5. We'll go through 6, chapter 4. This begins with, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body. But he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you must also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That is, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Whew, that's a big chunk of scripture, isn't it cool? So when you look at this passage, here's what I wanted to tell you. Paul is speaking into the church, and he's saying, I want to help you understand the healthiest, idealistic role of the family. He also understands, by the way, that in Ephesus, they're not, they don't have the ideal. These people are just receiving this great news about Jesus, and they're starting to fix some things and change some things about their journey. They're embracing who Jesus is, and they're in this process of transformation. Paul's saying, here's the ideal I want to present to you. I know that we're not at the ideal, But let's begin with where you are and move forward. That's what he's trying to do. So last week I gave you this idea of submission to one another. Mutual submission. Kenneth Wiest, who's a scholar in the Greek, if you've ever studied this guy, he's a really, he's a brainiac, heady dude, okay? So when I want to know what the Greek says, instead of me figuring out, it's good to Kenneth. I'm like, you know, Kenny, what do you think? So open up his commentary. Listen to what he says about verse 21 and verse 22. He says, this is the idea of submission. Putting yourselves in subjection to one another out of fear for Christ. So here's what, he, here's what he's saying in the original language he's trying to break down for us. We have this awe and this love and this respect for Jesus. And in that awe and that love and that respect, we're going to do the very best we can in the role that God has given us. And we're mutually submitting to one another because of that love. That's what he's communicating. So let me go through why this is so important. Because roles matter. That's your first feeling. Roles matter in the family. In the world that we live in today, we're told all the time, they really don't matter. But they really do matter. There's a difference in biblical context and biblical truth. And I want to help you understand this. So when you look at a passage like this, which is difficult to interpret, there's context that it meant to the people. They heard it a certain way in the original original time that it was said. And then there's a transferable truth that's eternal. So the role of husband, the role of wife and spouse, the role of children, these are inter- Connected, they have impact not only on you, but on the whole family and the culture around you. Let me show you what they look like and why they they are connected to one another. When my wife affirms me, okay, it brings out an encouragement in me that makes me want to serve her more. And she'll tell you that. If she wasn't serving in kids' ministry, she'd tell you that. And she's so good at it. Oh my goodness. Of seeing the good, and then she affirms it. Here's, Here's the flip side of that. I don't like it when you don't, you know, 
When you say, I actually want to say, here's the good behavior, here's the things I see that are scripture, here's the things I see that are helping our family to actually draw closer to Jesus, it just builds up a guy. And they just want to love you and serve you more. It affects you. Let me tell you one way it affected my marriage, and then I'm going to pray for you. When my, my mom and, and dad got a divorce, it had a huge impact on our lives. And in this case, my dad was not justified, there's no doubt. There are justifications for divorce. You can read them in Scripture. You find them. There's a few. They're narrow, but they're there. But he left not for that reason. It put inside of me a desire to succeed. In fact, I remember thinking back, when I get married, I'm never going to put divorce on the table, no matter what happens. I remember thinking that. And I remember sitting, that the reality is, is the roles matter, they're interconnected, and they expand into our culture, is that health starts with God and ripples out to other people. That's the whole point of this. You start with the Bible, you ask what's a healthy, whatever look like. You allow God to begin to put that in you and for you to respond in obedience, even if you don't like it, even if it's uncomfortable, and watch God show up in faith, and then watch it ripple out. Watch it impact your sister, your kids, your spouse, your boss. I'll never forget I had a boss that I was struggling with one time, and I knew in my heart of hearts that dude so needed a coach. You ever had a boss like that? I'm like, that guy needs a coach. And I would even, I even sneaky behind his back would find coaches for him, like some of the top coaches in the country. And I'd connect my boss to that coach. Hey, I want you to meet so-and-so. And I'd connect them. And every time I'd connect that boss to a coach, they're like, yeah, they're a loser. And I want them. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So same principle. 